Pastor Forsberg was asking about or mentioning new new people. I, I've got a blessing today. I've been last couple of days emailing back and forth to a to a couple that has just moved here, and so they are uh, now just getting settled in. Wanted to get into a church. Said we drove by by your church a few times, and we thought, man, we just got to stop in there and get check that out. So they'll be here Sunday. <clears throat> Had a nice conversation with them today. So. It is good when the Lord brings people our way. Not that we don't like the ones we have. I mean, we like most of you, and uh, so we're grateful for you, and and, uh, I'm just kidding. Hebrews chapter 12. Though a Christian can never lose their salvation, every Christian risks failing the grace of God, as we're going to see tonight in our passage. We can forget the purpose of God's grace in our life, and that is not that we are some giant reservoir that we collect the grace God gives us, but that we are a river and we pass that grace on to other people. The purpose of God giving grace to us is not so that we can just be everything we are, but that we might then give grace to others and not fail His grace. Every May, we set aside a special day, Memorial Day, that's uh, remember those who gave their lives for our freedom. Uh, and Christians also needs to need to specifically, intentionally, Remember what God has done for us. So tonight in our grace series, we're going to be talking about a remembering grace. We want to talk about forgiving and focusing and then fearing the Lord. If we can start here at verse number 14 of Hebrews chapter 12, the Bible says, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently lest any man fail the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Father, I pray you'd help us now this evening, in the next few minutes, we would uh, see your word and connect it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Understand God's grace never fails us. But the warning here is that we can fail the grace of God. We can fail to live a life that pleases God. We can fail to receive the benefits that He's made available through us uh, to us through grace. And uh, we can do that by the way that we treat it and the way that we act. Now, first century Christians here were enticed to return to the rituals of Judaism. We're going through that uh, section of Acts in Acts 15. We're going to finish up Acts 15 on Sunday night. Uh, where they had that Jerusalem council, and they dealt with this false teaching of having to uh, try to succumb to the Jewish rituals. And uh, Paul wanted them to stand firmly in grace and the finished work of Jesus Christ. In this passage, they are urged to remember God's grace. And uh, the three things we're going to look at tonight, forgiving, focusing, and then fearing the Lord. Remember, first of all, to forgive. Verse number 14 Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. You'll never grow in grace if you harbor bitterness in your heart. Grace and bitterness are utterly incompatible. They do not coexist. If you have grace in your heart towards others, you will not have bitterness in your heart towards others. And so we, uh, we've all been wronged, we've all been disappointed, we've all been abused to some extent, but no matter what people have done to us, or how they have failed us, we must forgive. You cannot experience 
and enjoy the grace of God unless you're willing to forgive. Uh, we, we could, we're going to hammer on this just a little bit because this is our point, but this is an important thing for us to grasp. If we can't be a forgiving type of person, then we're not going to enjoy the grace of God. The grace of God, the very at the core of God's grace, is He forgives us. And so we ought to be forgiving. Forgiveness pursues peace. Follow peace with all men. Romans 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things whereby we may edify another. Bitterness is an epidemic in our day today, and it is also an epidemic in our churches. Now, it is the tendency for human beings to cling to things in where we are offended or wronged or hurt rather than to forgive. I don't know why we do that, but we do that, don't we? It's just a tendency to hold on to things in where we have been offended or we have been hurt by someone. And uh, in the physical realm, now in the physical realm, something goes wrong, but we do everything we can to fix it. I mean, something goes wrong or we get sick or we have a lump or we have uh, a problem. We go get the attention we need to. We go to the pharmacist. We get the medicine we need to fix our physical problem. We do that rather quickly, but when it comes to... Uh, when it comes to the emotional realm, we tend to hold on to grudges from past offenses. When it comes to the way that we are inside and spiritually, we tend... Excuse me, i got to... It's a great thing when you got to sneeze just playing with you. Have you ever had that before? Just ah, playing with me a little bit. But uh, we... And I don't know why we do that, except that's just Satan working in our life, but... I believe at the root of people's unhappiness is this inclination we have to embrace our bitterness rather than to deal with it. We like to hang on to it, hold on to it. Only by God's grace can we overcome our fleshly desire for victimhood. And we have a fleshly desire for victim. Our flesh loves to be a victim. We like to be a victim. I mean, look at... Uh, look at uh, much of politics today is about victimhood. We like being a victim. The flesh does. Only by His grace can we overcome that. Only by God's grace can we live at peace with God and those around us. God's grace seeks, I mean, it desires, it seeks, it follows after here. It talks about following peace in verse 14. Follow after the things which made for peace in Romans 14, <coughs> verse 19. God doesn't wait for us to approach Him. He seeks us. He follows after us. And we ought to do the same with others. By God's grace, we ought to take the initiative to forgive those who have wronged us. Hey, Christ took the initiative to forgive, didn't He? He, was, he certainly didn't wait uh, and be forced into it. Every relationship in life needs that forgiver, the one who pursues peace and pursues forgiveness. Don't Wait on the other person to make the first move. Take responsibility in your relationships. Now, there's a lot of lessons I have left to learn in life, but I do believe I've somewhat come to that realization in this matter because as a pastor, uh, it's just about part of ministry, not trying to play the violin here or anything, just uh, stating a fact. Your family becomes kind of a prime target of high expectation and rapid criticism, it's just just the way it is. I mean, it's not a secret, just kind of the way it is. It's the nature of ministry. 
So, because of that, there are seasons of times where you you feel wronged, you feel let down, you feel like uh, you, you feel betrayed sometimes even. And I've learned the hard way: you got to let that go. You got to let it go. You got to forgive, and you got to move on. You can't hang on to it because if you hang on to it, you're no good to anything or anybody, and you're no good to yourself. You've got to let it go. And so, uh, don't get bitter. Now, the pattern is the one that Jesus set for us to follow, to forgive. If we do not forgive, and I, say this, I said this and I'm going to say it several different ways because it's so important, but if we do not forgive, we'll never enjoy the blessings and the benefits of peace and grace that God has for us. And then, if we are not uh, enjoying the benefits of it, who's suffering? I'm suffering if I don't let that go, if I can't forgive. I'm the one who suffers. And uh, a gracious man then works to find solutions <coughs> to live in peace. He follows after the things that make for peace. That's what the Bible says. So forgiveness pursues peace. Number one, forgiveness defeats bitterness. Forgiveness defeats bitterness. Look at verse number 15. Notice carefully this wording. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. Bitterness will absolutely defile and it will impoverish your soul and your life. Someone put it this way, bitterness is a poison that destroys only the vessel that holds it. Bitterness is like taking poison to kill somebody else, you know, to hurt somebody else. And so your bitterness against another person will not damage them. Not really. It might inconvenience somebody, but it won't damage them. It will hurt you, but it won't damage them. A lot of times, they don't even know your bitterness exists. <laughs> A lot of times, you're uh, wrapped up in something and they're just living life and enjoying And who's suffering? I mean, I just I really believe that this is a, a, a problem with many of God's people, and there, right here, we have the solution. Now, notice here the instruction in verse 15, looking diligently, he starts out. Looking diligently. We are to look diligently for any bitterness in our life. Look at the description here. Uh, the, the reason, by the way, we have to look diligently is because uh, bitterness is one of those things that hides itself well. Notice what it says, the root. What's a root? It doesn't say the tree of bitterness. The root of bitterness. Root is underground. You can't see it. It's all, it's all up in, all, all, all around the tree, but you can't see it because it's underground. And that's often the way bitterness is too. You cannot see it. It's buried out of sight. Now, not only can sometimes other people not see it, but because our hearts are so deceitful, the Bible tells us, and desperately wicked, because our hearts are so deceitful, sometimes we're blind to our own bitterness and definitely blind to its devastation in our life. It'll affect you physically, it'll affect you emotionally, and it'll affect you spiritually. I had a, I had a, a few, I, I had a doctor's appointment earlier last year, and uh, I was just having some, I just wasn't feeling good, just had some issues and, and, uh, and, you know, it's getting to that age where you start feeling stuff. 
that you never felt before. <laughs> it's like soreness and different things like that. And uh, I, I was having uh, just high heart rate and different things. So I, I made a doctor's appointment. It was my checkup anyway, and I was talking to him. And you know what that dirty, rotten scoundrel um, told me? It's mental. My problem is mental. And uh, he walked through a bunch of stuff with me, talked about stress, talked about how I deal with different things. And and he's right, it was. I, I, had to, I had to rearrange my thinking a little bit. Of course, he's not a Christian, so a lot of times when doctors talk to you by psychologists and type stuff, you kind of convert it into Christianity. You know, tell somebody your problems. Tell the Lord your problems. You know, that type of thing. So there's some things that I had to kind of convert his instruction, but... Uh, Praise the Lord, my problems disappeared. I didn't take any pills. I just made some adjustments in what he was telling me and realizing some of those things. And uh, and I don't think specifically it was bitterness in this area, but bitterness is like that too. It'll mess with a lot of different things. It'll it'll change your outlook. It'll change your uh, emotionally and physically, physically even. What does the Bible say in Proverbs several times? A happy, happy spirit is like, Medicine to the bones, I can't remember exactly how the verse goes, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the, the spirit definitely affects the physical. So, uh, undetected bitterness is, will be that root that is in our life. And undetected, it can start to rise up. It can rob us of the riches of God's grace if we let it. We need to ask God to reveal any bitterness in our hearts and then ask Him for the grace to forgive. That's how we get rid of bitterness, because bitterness, again, uh, forgiveness defeats bitterness. Bruce Gidrich was accepted at Texas A&M, and he was being initiated into the Cadets Corps at the university. As part of the initiation, Bruce was taken to the track, and he was told to run until he dropped. And he did run until he dropped. The only thing is, he never got back up again. He died before he even attended his first class. Short time later, Bruce's father wrote this letter to the administration and the student body, and I'll quote, I would like to express the appreciation of my family for the great outpouring of concern and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son. We were deeply touched by the tribute paid to him. We harbor no ill will in the, ma in the matter. We know our God makes no mistakes. Bruce had an appointment with his Lord and is now secure in his celestial home. When asked why did this happen, our answer will be so that many will consider where they spend eternity. Now, you don't get that unless you forgive. I mean, you could really easily get angry at the coach who told your son to run until he drops and then he died from it. And they chose to forgive. Was it fair? No, it wasn't fair. Is it right? Probably wasn't right. But what are you going to gain by being angry? What are you going to gain by being bitter for the rest of your life? or you can forgive. And the happiness and the peace and the contentment of our life is largely going to be dependent on this fact. Are we going to be able to forgive or are we going to be able to are we going to allow the root of bitterness to to, to rise up? It happens quickly sometimes, it sometimes takes time. Recently I was in the grocery store and I was in line and of course, oh you got to have distance, you know, between each one, or everybody's going to die of a horrible disease. And so I was uh, distance a little bit, and a little sweet-looking old lady pushes her cart 
right, I was sitting here, the cart in front of me was right up there, and she just comes right in between me, just wedges herself right in between me. And I had been waiting. And uh, now what do you do? You're a preacher, and uh, you want to have a good testimony, and you want to shoot someone. So all those three things, you have to, <clears throat> you have to try to correlate them and make it, make it all work. And, you know, I'll tell you, I was nice. I just let it go and, and uh, you know, it was two minutes delayed and whatever. But, um, that, but you know, what I'm saying? we have a situation like that all the time where things happen and we can, we can just get angry about it. <clears throat> and especially if somebody does something to hurt us or offend us, we can allow that to just fester and build and grow. And, and it will it, it, be like an, a cancer and it'll destroy your effectiveness for the Lord. Forgiveness kept the good, rich family from bitterness. Because forgiveness destroys bitterness. And then uh, let's look at overcoming it then. Look, looking diligently is what it says. And then overcoming it. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Our attachment to our bitterness. Remember, we have a human tendency to grasp onto it and hold it. So our attachment to that, our tendency to do that, uh, that grieves the heart of God. One of the reasons that it grieves the heart of God is the same reason all sin grieves the heart of God because of what it does to His children. That's why God hates sin. Because of what it does to His prized creation. What it, it's destroyed us. It has made us a, an evil, evil uh, humanity in itself is, is evil and wicked and sin did that. And so when uh, we cannot forgive the sins of others, we build a wall between us and brother in Christ, and, and then what that wall does is it not only, because we often think we, we can build this wall uh, against other people, uh, other Christians in the church or in our life, and we don't realize that wall goes right on up, and it is also a wall between you and God. It doesn't stop with the person, because you cannot say, my relationship this way is right, even though I hate so-and-so, and my relationship here is not. It can't be that way. It's going to be, if this is wrong, this is wrong. And if that's wrong, this is going to be wrong as well. That's why a lot of times with conflict between Christians or people of any type, it is not necessarily uh, only the problem between the people. I don't know why I keep looking at Holly. Maybe there's something going on here that I don't know some kind of bitterness I have with you I don't realize yet, but... Uh, I keep motioning like this. Uh, but if, if we have something wrong with somebody, uh, often it, at the core is really we have a problem with God. Or some or relationship with the Lord is not right. So you build a wall between you and a fellow brother or sister in Christ, it also builds a wall with God. Now refusing to forgive is a sin in the eyes of God, but not only is it a sin in the eyes of God, it is a tremendous insult. To him, you you remember the story in the New Testament? Jesus gave the parable about the servant that was forgiven for, and we did an analysis on this on a Sunday morning message a while back. But it came out to be like twenty million dollars, and then 
he, uh, I guess, had paid for another guy's Taco Bell, and he saw him. Hey, you still owe me five bucks. And now he was forgiven for his $20 million debt. He finds somebody else who owes him just pennies, and he's going to throw him in prison because he can't pay him. Remember that story? That offended his master tremendously. I just forgave you all this, and you couldn't forgive that little? Well, there's the same for the Lord. When, when he has forgiven us mountains and we can't forgive a molehill, that's a problem. And so we, we learn that bitterness lies buried in our hearts. It thrives and it grows, and it's our tendency to grab onto it. If all that's true, then how do we conquer it? 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace. That's how we conquer. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to Him both be glory now and forever. Amen. How do you keep the root of bitterness from defiling in your, uh, defiling your faith? You grow in grace. Uh, you cannot overcome this enemy on your own. You really can't. But God has enough grace for whatever trial you're going through, whatever burden you're bearing, whatever injustice you are suffering, whatever tragedy or hurt that's in your life, you surrender your spirit, even if it's wounded, you surrender it to the Lord and you find help in His Word. When you surrender your brokenness and fill your heart with His Word, He'll help you let go of the bitterness that controls you. And yes, it will control you. It will overtake you. I, have, I deal with more of this than you would, than, than you would think. People that are caught up and bitter. People that come in for counseling, they don't go to church anymore because they're bitter. They don't, they don't, they, they, they're mad at God and they're just mad at everybody in the world and themselves. And it's, and you can trace it back to just this bitterness that has gotten out of control. Proverbs 4.23. Keep or guard or watch. The Bible says, keep your heart with all diligence. There's that word again, diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. We are to guard our heart like it is a valuable resource because it is. We're to guard our heart. Uh, what happens if we don't guard against bitterness? Well, the inevitable trials of life, and they are inevitable. They're going to come. So the inevitable trials of life that come and the inevitable people doing you wrong because guess what? People are going to do you wrong. They just are. Because they're people. Hey, if they're perfect, they're not here anymore. And if they're still here, they're not perfect. And so they're going to, we're going to do each other wrong because even if we don't mean to because we're people. But So if we don't uh, let that go, uh, the inevitable trials, the, the difficulties of life, this gives inroads to Satan uh, to start working you over and letting those roots grow in our life. And the Bible says, guard your heart. Guard against it. Set up perimeters. Set up fences. You know, buy a Doberman. Whatever you have to do, guard your heart. And uh, keep track of that. Our text here, it's interesting, uses Esau. It's funny how uh, I, I thought at first, it doesn't really connect here, but Esau had suffered terrible loss. Jacob had stolen, tricked him out of his birthright. And then uh, he had not only taken his birthright, but he stole his father's blessing for him. Remember, he put goat's hair on his arm and 
went into Isaac, and Isaac, who is it? I'm Esau. And so, you don't sound like Esau. You look and smell like Jacob. No, no, I'm Esau. And so, he took him and, and put Esau's blessing onto Jacob. Stole this from his brother. But the, the loss of the blessing and the loss of the birthright, this wasn't Esau's problem. Esau's problem was bitterness over these losses. Couldn't let it go, and it destroyed him. It destroyed his relationships. It destroyed his relationship with his family and with God. Matthew seven sixteen, You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And I promise you, a bitter heart will not bring forth God's grace. It just won't. You can't. You're not going to show God's grace if you have a bitter heart. And so, the, and Jesus makes that point. And uh, remember that bitterness, I said in the beginning, bitterness and grace cannot coexist in your life and in your heart. They can't coexist. One's got to go. Just like prayer and worry, they always say prayer and worry can't coexist. They can't. You're either going to worry or you're going to pray. You're going to worry and not pray or pray and not worry. Uh, but one of those has going to be uh, 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 supreme in your life. One will drive out the other. So, got three points. We just finished the first. So obviously we're not going to get through this, but the second one's focus. The first one was forgive and then second focus. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 18. Uh, that, that's just a couple of verses past here. Let's look at what it says. For ye are not come unto the mount that might be touched and the, that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the words which voice that they heard and treated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. And you know what that's talking about? That's talking about the mountain. Remember that? Moses went up and the people said, this is scary. This is too scary. You tell God, we don't want to hear that voice anymore. He thunders too loud when he talks. He is too brusque when he speaks. We'll listen to you. You talk to him and then talk to us. We don't want to hear God anymore. That's what they said in verse 19. That's what that's referring to. Look at verse number 22. But ye are coming to the Mount of Sion and to the city of the living God and unto the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels. So he refers to the story of Exodus from Egypt to the promised land. They had grown up hearing about this. They knew all about it. And this message right here, it draws a parallel between Mount Sinai, where the law was given, and Mount Zion, the symbol of grace. Now, let's look at the contrast here. Uh, keep, keeping a heavenly focus, remember. What an awful, fearful place the foot of Mount Sinai must have been. And it was because they were terrified. If anybody trespassed the boundary, they died instantly. It was the first security fence you read about in the Bible. God set it up. You come past this point, you're dead. It burned with fire and darkness. It surrounded uh, the peak of the mountain. The blast and the trumpet of the voice of God sounded so terrible. The people asked Moses to make it stop. We'll just talk to you. It was a staggering display of the holiness of God. But that's not our focus today. He says, you are coming to the mountain. Zion, or Zion, but meaning Zion. Uh, grace is now the emphasis today. A heavenly city will be our eternal home. This is where our focus should be. Physically, Mount Zion is Jerusalem. Psalm chapter 48, verses 1 through 3. Spiritually, Mount Zion represents the new Jerusalem, 
uh, Revelation chapter 21, verse 2. When we are not focused in heaven, on, on heaven, we're not focused on Christ, then we're not growing in grace. We've got to put our focus on the right things. And everything, everything in our life is so dependent on our focus. What are we looking at? What are we allowing to consume our time? What are we mauling over in our minds? What somebody did or what somebody said or, or uh, you know, slights or circumstances. If we think about those things, we'll be discouraged. We think about the Lord, how good He is and our salvation and how one day uh, Jesus Christ will rule and reign and we'll be a part of that and, you know, that, that there's rewards in heaven and, and we start thinking that way, then we'll be encouraged. Boy, that sounds really simple, Pastor. It really is. I mean, it really is. What are we focusing on? I constantly have to tell myself to change my focus. My dad, on Monday, I talked to my dad, and it was a little bit of a Monday. You know how some Mondays are. I'm, I was hurting, and you know, just uh, and so. But he, he, uh, not really, but hypothetically, he reached through the phone and slapped me on the face a couple of times. He did so verbally, but. Uh, I don't know about that, but uh, be thankful for what you have. You know, you've got a lot of good things and stop focusing on one negative thing that's on your life. You know, and I need that once in a while. We all need that once in a while. And I need to do that to myself once in a while. What kind of positives do we have? What are you focusing on? What are you focusing on in your life? I can tell you by your outlook, if you're depressed, moping around, and many Christians are walking, look like they sucking uh, pickle juice through a PVC pipe, mad and all the time? Uh, or, or are we going to be joyful? It depends on what we focus on. Because Jesus paid the price for us, we ought to focus on what we have from that, the bliss that lies ahead of us. This deliberate focus makes earthly trials seem insignificant. Just think about that for a second. If we focus on heavenly things, it makes earthly trials seem a little less in, a little less significant in our life. But, but if we put all the focus on, you know, my bunion, on my big toe, I don't have one, just using it as a hypothetic, and I put all the focus on that, then, then you know, you're not going to, then you're going to feel terrible. You see what I'm saying? We have to remember that. And, and again, just like we are have a tendency to hold on to bitterness and to hold on to our anger, we have a tendency to focus on the one bad thing that's happening when there's many other good things. I've used it many times, but it's a good reminder for us, the stub-toe principle. You get up in the middle of the night, you know what toes are for. They're for finding things in the dark. And you find something. And you whack your toe on the coffee table as you're walking, and it doesn't move, and you've, you've done it. You've danced around and invented all kinds of new moves, and, and uh, what do you do? You focus on that one toe. You've only banged one toe, but that's the one you're talking about. That's the one you're thinking about. That's the one you're worrying about. You've got nine good ones, but you don't walk around, oh, so grateful for my nine good toes. No, you, you're worried about the one that just, we're just like that. That's how we are also spiritually. we got one little problem. Everything else is great, but we got one little problem. We just focus on it. We just zero in on it. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to pull ourselves down. Not only that, we're going to pull down everyone that's around us too. 
That's what Paul's trying to warn against here. Remember to keep a Christ-centered focus. And that's what we'll end tonight. Uh, also talks about fearing and uh, uh, fearing God, which is a seems to be a lost art. We might talk about that a little bit next week. But uh, <coughs> hey, uh, good good reminder.